Hi, this is Queen Gantis, host of Behind the Pen. You're listening to the audio podcast. Enjoy. and welcome to another episode of Behind the Pen. I am your host, Karina Gantus. I'm an award-winning author of 14 books. I'm an award-winning filmmaker, booktuber, YouTuber. I host uh, the Author Assist show on the Artist First radio network. And as you know, I have my podcast. So you can be listening to the audio podcast or you may be watching the YouTube show of Behind the Pen. I hope everyone is very well today. My guest today is David Green, and he's all the way from Old Blighty. Uh, welcome to the uh, show, David. Hi, how's it going? Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's a pleasure. I love talking uh, with people from uh, the UK. <laughs> it uh, makes me think of home because of the uh, accent. We exactly. don't have an accent, but we we do, sort of. I live in Ireland now, so my accent's... My accent is like stronger than ever for some reason. Uh, and I, I never used to think I had an accent when I lived in the UK. Like, I knew that I was from, like, I'm from the northwest of England. Mm. So I'm from around the Manchester area. So I was always like, well, you know, I have like maybe like a vague Manchester. You have the twang. Accent. I can still hear it. You have that Manchester mm. twang. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but so like whereabouts in, in, in Ireland? I'm in Galway now, uh, which is where my family is from. That's where my family are from originally. Um, but we kind of lived in Manchester for a long time, um, and um, yeah, since since I moved back, um, I'm, I'm well more aware of my accent than I used to be because I sound just so different to everyone else around me. And everyone always comments on my accent. But I was like, "Where are you from?" Then and it's because Irish people love to know where where everyone is from, um, and there's always there's a lingering suspicion of English people always as well. We even know like we're next next door to each other. Love it, um, love it. I'm like I'm actually I'm actually from Galway. I'm from uh, like you know, my my family have like I've had the same house that they built nearly 300 years ago. Um, wow, so, yeah. that's amazing. Um, the only thing I know about Galway is when um, Ed Sheeran sung about it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And he got loads of he got loads of details wrong as well. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Um and yeah. for Ireland itself, my father my grandfather was from Dublin, so and my mother was half Irish. So I have Irish blood in me. And um I entered the Rosa Tralee contest. Oh yeah. I won yeah. for the Midlands, UK. Um, but I didn't get to actually Tralee, I didn't get to Ireland for the finals. Um, yeah, you know, the Rosa Tralee is the only thing going for Tralee, to be honest with you. There's not, there's not else much going on with the Rosa Tralee is, is that. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's still um, still really big, the Rosa Tralee. Like, it's, you know, it's absolutely yeah. huge to think that every town in the UK can have their own little contest. And then mm. you then go on to the bigger one of the county. Then the county then goes on to the country one. And then the person who wins the UK one then goes on to Ireland. It's like, yeah. as long as you've got Irish blood in you, anyone right. can enter. And yeah. uh, it was a wonderful experience. We had the the ball at, uh, I think it was in Nottingham, the, the, the no, Coventry, can't remember. Anyway. Um, 
we we had this massive ball and I, I was allowed to hire this uh, ball gown and I had my hair done. Felt like a princess, treated like a princess. <laughs> Absolutely amazing experience. I will never, ever forget, even though that was many, 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 many years ago. Anyway, enough of me, enough about Ireland. I normally ask my guests um, what you use your pen for because the programme is for uh, creatives, it's for uh, musicians and artists and everything. But I'm so glad that I know who David is because we have spoken so many times. We have been on so many shows and panels through the Go Indie Now platform, which you hear me raving about all the time. Uh, so I know David pretty well when it comes to um, his art of writing, um, his um, personality and um, his humour because we did... Uh, uh, we actually were contestants of the uh, um in, in the indie mayhem is that what it's, it's we were called? actually contestants yeah. on the first show the pilot show of indie mayhem <laughs> so we were the ones that sort of um shown everybody else throughout the series how to do it correctly you know they exactly. followed our trend we we exactly. started it all off yeah. um so so i got to know his humor as well and he's very funny anyway david welcome to the show it's wonderful to have you on here i love your background is that um something uh from one of the books because i know you do fantasy isn't it it is yeah i do i do fantasy uh, like, like epic fantasy I, I do urban fantasy as well so obviously this is the uh this is the epic fantasy which <laughs> it's not very urban um but <laughs> yes yeah, so this is this is the currently the cover of my uh of my first book in my first epic fantasy series which is called oh, wow. that oh, this way that is colleen alpenwood who is one of the main characters um but that cover is changing pretty soon because of um yeah, a little a little war started in Europe, and um, for some strange reason, a lot of fantasy um, authors uh, have artists that were in the Ukraine. That there's just a huge amount of book cover artists in the Ukraine. They are um, amazingly talented. Yeah, I know brilliant. so many of them. Yeah, and, and my, um, mine, mine was as well, um, but um, obviously they, they moved and they had to stop making the covers for a little while. Um, so we, I obviously needed more done for the rest of the series, and they couldn't commit to it. So I just paid them for the rest of the series, and just got a new, a new author, a new artist to take over. But obviously, we wanted to have the same visual style for all of the books. Uh, right. How many, right, so. how many books is in that first series? Well, there's, there's going to be four. Um, so the second one is out um, July the fifteenth. Um, so. This so so, so sorry, this one was your debut novel, and the second book is the second book you've ever written. No, so I've done so I have the urban fantasy series as well. Um, so that came I, I, I no, that came afterwards. I, I work on them like ultimately. Um, so I do, <laughs> I do, uh, I do one for the epic fantasy series, and then I do one of the uh, urban fantasy ones, which are a little bit shorter. Um, they're written in a different style, um, and not to say there aren't any rules in it because but because there are some rules but I also made a rule one of the rules that I made in the, the urban fantasy series gives me a lot more freedom with what I can do in terms of like consist not not, not consistency but I can if I decide I want, yeah I can I, it doesn't I'm not I can just go in any kind of direction with it um, because that the urban fantasy one is called Helen Haven and it's um it's real world set 
it's set in Oregon in the United States, but I made up the city that it's set in. Because uh, mm-hmm. I was like, do I want to sit in a real city that I've not been to and have to research it? Too yeah, much research. <laughs> Too much research. Um, and uh, I'd have someone read it from Portland because that was where I was going to set it. And they'd be like, this isn't nothing like Portland. Um, so I was like, I'll make up the city. But what it is, is um, uh, heaven exists in this world and hell exists too. But earth is actually hell. It's like hell is overlaid onto earth. And the main wow. character... Because of something that happens to the main character, he can see uh, what reality is really like. And now he knows that heaven is real. He wants to get back into heaven at some point. Um, he wants to kind of keep his nose clean and, and live a good life. But he also is, he, he also needs to pay his bills and he needs to do other things like everyone else would do in real life. And he's a private detective. So he's taking on jobs for like ghosts and demons and, and, and other Wow. Creatures. Oh, like I love that. it. Love it, love it, love it. It's like the yeah, Matrix, so. but in the fantasy world. Right, kind of, yeah. And basically, like, one of the first lines in the book, um, it's written first person, um, present tense, and the epic fantasy is third person. So it's very different kind of style mm-hmm. and flavour. Um, and one of the first lines in the book is, like, the, the main character, Nick Halloran, basically says, like, if you've read about something, it exists in this in, in, in reality. So except for werewolves, everything else exists except for werewolves. Except for werewolves. Be, <laughs> really fun, funny, right? <laughs> just, just to do that. Um, so it gives me a lot of freedom that if I, like, decide to do, like, you know what, I'd like to do something with, like, Lovecraftian stuff, I can go and do that. And if I decide that I want to do this, I can do that. With the epic fantasy series, obviously... With epic fantasy, um, you have to really build the world from the ground up. And you do, set the rules. yes. Yeah, and, and the rules have to be consistent all the time. And if yes. you kind of say, like, you know, if you get into that, and there's, there is authors, very, very um, famous authors that have done this, to, uh, and people kind of don't like it. It's like, if you have, like, a whole big book that's, like, 800 pages, mine isn't 800 pages, but if say it was and dragons are not mentioned once for the first 600 pages, and then a dragon appears to, like, save the day in, like, the 700th page, people will be like, hang on, how come no one has mentioned this no, before? that's wrong. I dragons. agree, yeah. <laughs> right? Because you would, because you'd be like, the like weapons of mass destruction. Some, and, and yeah, you, exactly. You, if if yeah. they're the ones that save the world, they've got to come into the story a lot earlier than that. <laughs> exactly exactly so and that's the thing and then you have to think about that from book to book as well so you have to be like and obviously you know some people um are discovery writers and some people are plotters and some people in between but with epic fantasy as well like if you are um a discovery writer you can't get up to like the third or fourth book in a series and then decide to, to bring introduce something like that because someone would have surely have mentioned it at some point before um so there is a lot more you're constrained in a lot of ways but in other ways it's your world completely like you know you can you have freedom to build what you want to have any rules they exist the characters exist the the magic exists the the names exist Uh, when when it comes to epic fantasy um you, you, you can just allow your imagination to go wild because it doesn't matter what you invent, it exists because it's fantasy. And I right. think that's what I loved about writing. I've only done two books. It's a duology in fantasy. I don't know if I'll ever go into fantasy again, but uh, that's what I loved about it, just having no 
no rules, no, uh, nothing um, prevented me from doing something. Everything I wanted to imagine, I put in the book and it made sense because it was fantasy. But for those right. that are watching now, can you give the definition between urban and epic? Yeah. Um, so, so there's a lot of subgenres that go into it as well. So like, I'd say like mine is epic and there's also, but it's also dark fantasy and there's elements of sword and sorcery and there's all this kind of stuff. But basically epic fantasy would be um, second world fantasy. And by second world, that means it's a world that is, is created, that it doesn't exist in, in our reality, okay? Hey folks, you're listening to the podcast Behind the Pen. Behind the Pen brings you fun and entertaining interviews by amazing creatives. And if you'd like to help keep the podcast going, you can donate as little as $5 on my Linktree page. That's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Karina Gantus or small letters. Don't forget to follow, like and review the podcast. Your support means everything. And then there's, and then into that, there goes, there goes different expected tropes and different expected kind of character archetypes, and and the um, the 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 scale is is huge. It's like you know, it's constant or worldwide. But with, with mine, I try to keep it very very character focused. Like in in Solitude Shadow, that the main the main um, emotional sense of the book is a relationship between a a woman in her 30s and a mother who is in her late 50s and it's like they're an estranged um, mother and daughter over a decision that uh, the, the mother made um 10 years previous and that is the and that is the emotional center so there is that kind of small intimate thing but then there's a big scope to it as well going on and everything like that with urban fantasy it's generally stuff that is set either in our world with a twist um, so like Harry Potter could be urban fantasy and, and has, has been described quite a lot as urban fantasy. Um, but it's usually in our world with a twist or it's in a, a real world setting, usually in a city. Although, you know, the the, the um, rural aspects can come into it, well, but the main action takes place in, in a city. Um, and with that, again, it has its own kind of expectations and everything like that. But there's a lot more to urban fantasy because you have a lot of paranormal romance would get lumped into um, urban fantasy, which I think is a bit not right to do. I think paranormal romance is its own paranormal genre. Paranormal romance is its own genre. I completely agree with you. I can yeah. see urban fantasy going into a dystopian subgenre. Right. Yeah, it can do that as well. I mean, it's it's very flexible. Like you know, I mean, you have mine, and it's very um, mythic, I suppose. I mean, essentially, like it's about a guy who's a private detective who's trying to pay his bills and, and get into heaven right that's that's what it's about you know yeah. um, and, and do the right thing he wants to do the right thing after um maybe not doing the right thing in his life but then it, it, there's this whole this other backdrop of like this heaven versus hell thing what is the truth why is it like the way that it is and, and all these kind of different things that come into it but then you have like you know um the dresden files which is probably the most famous urban like pure urban fantasy series and certainly probably the most successful if you kind of take Harry Potter out of the equation. And that is, again, he's a private detective, but he's a wizard as well. He's, he's the, the, he is um, Chicago's first wizard detective because magic exists in this world. And it's just something that people are just starting to realize that magic exists. Um, and that has this big 
that has actually got loads of epic fantasy trappings as you get further into, yeah. the, into the series. Um, but at its core, again, it's about a private detective that is taking on jobs. And that happens quite a lot in, in urban fantasy. There's a lot of like detective kind of, there's a lot of noir in it. But there's different things as well. Um, but a lot of them, a lot of them revolve around twists on accepted um, mythology, like like mm-hmm. um, Steve McHugh, who is a, a big name in urban fantasy. He has his real world setting, but it's a kind of twist on Arthurian legends, and um, you know, it's like a, like and it's all like conspiracy theories and secret organisations. Like it, like, like it, like it. Give me more, yeah. Dan Brown. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's cool. So it's, that's what it is. So it's usually it's like a twist on what you already know um, with regular people in, in, involved in it. And sometimes like the, the regular person like Harry Dresden becomes a little bit less regular as the series goes on. Like, you know, he's uh, like Harry Dresden starts off as like you think he's just like some kind of middling wizard, even though he's the only wizard that's like out, I suppose. Um He's quite middling, but by the end of the series, he's just like the the strongest wizard of all time. And I was like, what, what I wanted to do with, yeah, that's exactly what, what I wanted to do with the Helen Haven series was with Nick Colloran was um, I wanted him just to be a normal person. He's not magical. He's uh, he's not particularly great at his job. Um, he's not. He, he makes mistakes. I quite love often. flawed characters. It makes it so more relatable, so more realistic. Let's just step back a minute because I want to go back to uh, when you were at school or university. Uh, How creative were you there when it came to writing and your imagination? Yeah, well, I studied, well, I I have an art degree. So um, I was, that's what I, that's what I did at at university, college and university. But my, um, my kind of thing that I focused on was, was film. Um, I, I wanted to be a film director. Once, once upon a time and I did like short films and all stuff like that but this was um turn of just turn of the millennium this was so at the time uh there was one film school in England that was in London <laughs> and um, because uh because uh for my student loan and everything to go there uh because it was under the art it. umbrella yeah it was under the art umbrella and they were just like minimum loan and um, it wouldn't have even covered the tuition fee for the first term uh, for and the place. So London's the most expensive place to stay as well in the UK. Right, so. right yeah. So I kind of looked into it. I looked at like how much it had cost for all the equipment and then like the, um, the the fees that were needed and the rent and everything like that. And I was like, I think I'm going to need about four jobs to, to, wow. to be able to do oh, this. Uh, so, yeah, so that, that kind of went away then. And I just kind of just felt I, I was already working I was doing a degree on work and I was managing a video game shop at the same time when I was uh, 18 um so I, I was doing my degree and I was working 40 hours a week um and uh, I just kept on doing that and just fell into that but yeah I was always quite creative like um I, I like academic stuff as well like I always liked history I've been a big history buff for a, a long long time um, right. <laughs> history uh, geography I like geography too. I like geography. I like I like uh, history and I like that kind of stuff. But I also, um, yeah, love love that. Love film in particular and everything that goes into that. So obviously, when you're doing art, at, uh, uh, sorry, film uh, studies, you, you you study films and break them down. But then you also do little bits of script writing. You do set design. You do a bit of costume design. That's brilliant. You do, 
absolutely brilliant that you've had a, a a bit of everything you've had a go of everything i say many times to my guests that uh, when you are when you have that creative blood in you it's not just one thing it's not i'm an author it's i'm an author i'm an artist i'm a designer i'm a filmmaker right. it's all to do with the creativity me i'm filmmaker i'm uh writer and i'm also a singer so that all goes with the creativity but when it came to your writing which you haven't spoke about are you a were you a late uh, what we call a, a, a mature author or did you write things when you were younger you know in your teens and and had anything published then i mean when did the writing book start for you david so, yeah so i mean i always like had i like the ambition of of writing something um, because I've been such a big reader since I was a little kid. Like um, I got into living in the northwest of England, like, you know, you're, you're kind of surrounded by like not too far from Wales. So there's lots of like Welsh and Celtic influence, obviously being Irish, there's, there's that as well. Um, Arthurian legend wasn't too far away from Sherwood Forest. So there's Robin Hood and all that kind of stuff. You kind of grow up around that. And then I uh, I have the same I have the same copy of the Hobbit that I got when I was a kid. I still have it, and I wrote in it when I started reading because I used to do that with all my books, and I'd write my age, and I was seven when I started reading it. Um, so I've always been into into fantasy, and um, so it was always something that I wanted to do, and it was one of those things where it was uh, I'd always keep putting it off, and I'd be like, it's not the time to do it yet. I'll do it when I have more time. I'll do it when mm -hmm. this happens. You do need time to write, most definitely. Yeah, but you, you do, but also as well, like the, the, the other things, I don't think I was like mature enough to actually sacrifice something in my life to, to actually to actually do it. Um, and like and, and by like and, and by sacrifice, that's such a dramatic term. It was just something <laughs> trivial, just to stop doing something trivial, like you know. Um and uh I wasn't mature enough to kind of do that and I just kept just making excuses for it. And uh, there was one time when I was in my early 20s, uh, I started jotting down some ideas or something, and I actually found that notebook about a year or so ago. And it was oh, funny wow. because there were some ideas in it that I actually have used, but I just obviously just been in the back of my brain, like you yeah. Know, when, when something sticks like that when when you can't forget something whether whether you forgot you wrote it in the book but the idea's always been there that's when you have to write it down you need to get it out you have to get it out there's a reason why it's there is the reason why you feel so passionate about writing that and yeah. and that's that's the that's the uh, the clue you know, you start thinking about something you can't sleep, the idea won't go away, you know that's you've got to write it down. As yeah, as a writer, exactly. even if you have never done anything before, that is the clue that you should start writing. It's your time. Right. Yeah. And so yeah, that, that went on for years. And I was always putting it off. I was always like, I'll do it after this, I'll do it after this, I'll do it after this, I'll do it after I get married, I'll do it after we move house, I'll do it after do this. And I never did it. And um and then my son was born and I stopped working and um, decided to, oh, it was decided that I would stay at home to look after him. Um, from when he was like, from when my wife went back on to, uh, went back to work after maternity leave. And um, so I was like, well, if I'm not going to do it now, I'm, I'm never going to do it because like, you know, you it's weird time. like thinking that I had, yeah, you do have time when you have a baby because they sleep a lot. 
right? <laughs> and um, so you don't have to sleep every single time that they sleep. You've got a bit of time that you didn't have before. Um, so I was like, yeah, okay, well, I'll do this. And then, so I started a creative writing class just to go out one evening a week just to meet some other adults because that was the other thing as well. It's like, I'm around a baby all the time. I'm not talking to anyone. And no, normally I'm fine with that, but also it was like, I, I, I realized that I needed some kind of, adult interaction at some point um so I, I started going out to do the creative writing lessons and um I wrote a over the course of the the lessons I wrote um a detective novel that's set in 1940s Santa Monica which is actually going to come out I think next year from, from a publisher and it's not it's not a, a a genre that I read or anything like that I do enjoy the films I love film noir um was it part of the course that you had to do that no it was just um so you get like a story prompt each week you'd, you'd kind of and then you go in and you read and you'd read what you'd written um or like an excerpt of it and um people would kind of critique it and and that kind of stuff but it was very kind of like low level critique because it was um you know beginners um but it was great because it got me very, very used to sharing my work really early on, which was, I think, a lot of writers struggle with with, with that aspect. Um, so what I was doing, I kind of the first story prompt we got, I just had this idea of a of of, an, of a novel, and I, I I have like this fascination with unsolved um, crimes or, or mysteries. And there's this there's this um, one called the Taman Shud case, which are sometimes known as the Summerton Man, which was about this thing in Australia. Where they found this body on the beach in a suit and they had no idea where he came from and all this kind of stuff and i was thinking i wonder if i could solve that in my own story so i moved it to santa monica and did my own thing with it and that was the prompt and then each week with each prompt i just used the prompt for the next chapter basically and just oh, kind of worked that's a really good idea when yeah. i when i had prompts i used to do flash fiction always the flash fiction that represented the prompt but that is such a great idea to use that for the next chapter yeah, yeah. well some of, some of the prompt some of the linkage to the prompt was very tenuous towards <laughs> the end of the book uh but i yeah i, I kept doing it um and it, it kind of helps that kind of pulpy kind of style of, of cliffhangers and, and 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 all that kind of stuff um and then i finished it i finished the book and the pandemic started and i was like what do i do now because i don't have I, I'm, I'm not involved in the writing world i'm not in this i don't read this genre i don't know what to do so um the, obviously all the classes were cancelled because of the pandemic and all that kind of mm. stuff and um so i was at home so i just started looking around on the internet and i found submission places and it was more like speculative fiction like horror and sci-fi and everything like that and I was like, well, I like horror and sci-fi. Fantasy is my main thing, but I don't think I'll be able to write fantasy because it seems too hard to write fantasy. I don't want to do a bad job at it. And so yeah. I just started doing, uh, I started doing short stories for anthologies. And I just thought, well, you know, and the, the whole goal was that I wanted, I'd spent so long doing upper retail management, which is something I didn't want to do. And I didn't envisage doing it for so long. But um, when my son was born, I was kind of like, I'd like to have something I can show him that I've accomplished in my life other than him, because he is pretty much the only thing that I've accomplished in my life. Uh, and uh, so I was like, I want to have something that I can say, look, uh, I had a, a dream or I had an ambition and I did it. So I was like, if I can get one thing published, like one short story, that'd be, that'd be it. Right. And then by the end of 2020, I had like, I think 150 short stories published. I think. Wow. 
oh, you beat me <laughs> many times mad. over. That's amazing. Oh, were they paying? Were they paying gigs? Yeah, yeah a, lot, a lot of them were paying. Um, some of them weren't. Some of them were just like, you know, for, um, uh, for uh, exposure, you know, as you start off. Um, but yeah, I started progressing mostly as a paid stuff. And then I wrote In Solitude Shadow as well. Then in, um, I, I'd had a couple of things accepted with a publisher called Erie River that were mainly horror based, but they were starting to do some dark horror, dark fantasy. And they had a dark fantasy um, anthology coming out. So I wrote something for that and it was accepted. And they were like, we, we really like your horror stuff, but this fantasy one is is brilliant. We, we really love it. And it was my first fantasy thing that I'd written because I was kind of like shy about writing fantasy. Well, that then gave you the confidence to do your damn novel. If exactly, you get yeah, that so kind that... of feedback <laughs> yeah. for your first yeah. fantasy, wow. Yeah, so they were like, um, so they were like, well, we have a, we're going to be doing an open call next month for fantasy books. And um, we're going to go from novella length upwards, but we want them to be series. Um, so I was like, we're giving, you, we're giving you the heads up so you can start early because it's only a short window. And I was like, can I write a book in three weeks? I was like, I might as well try. So I did. You <laughs> actually wrote it. a book in three weeks. You you get you got the deadline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got the you deadline. You sent it and in, and what did they say? Yeah, they loved it. I mean, obviously, then uh, it went through development edits and all that kind of stuff after it was accepted. But like the the bare bones of the story was was there. It was the the character arcs were all there. The relationships were all there. Um, I'm just expanding a little because obviously I was an experienced writer, so it was like yeah, I wasn't yeah. Familiar. Um, but there was enough there where they were like, yeah, we can see this being a story and a series, and I had to do the outlines for the rest of the series and stuff like that. And um, that's awesome. That was that was it really. Like you know, it was a really great like that's it was um yeah. So I kind of just used that opportunity of just being at home a lot just to kind of do what I wanted to do, and then I've been doing it ever since, even though it's only two years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the two years what you've achieved in those two years i've i've got 14 books and that took me bloody 27 years you know so wow that's amazing david so um what are you working on next what what is it you're you're doing so um i've just finished the sequel to insulted shadows of path of war um so i just finished the line edits on that so that's out on july 15th and that is it's double the size of In Solitude Shadow um, because In Solitude Shadow was, uh, we wanted to try and do epic fantasy in a, and not in the epic mm. page count. So it's like just under 300 pages, which is short for epic fantasy. But um, the next yeah. one is, the next one is almost double the size of it. Um, <laughs> and um, <laughs> it's more in line. And it's a lot more complex of a book as well. Like, cause that's the thing with Solitude Shadow. Like I wrote it in like the three weeks in 2020 and, and Path of War I started at the maybe October or November of 2021 and, and in that time I'd written two of my Nick Holleran books um I'd done some ghost writing for people for novels as well so I was a lot more oh, wonderful. Um, yeah I was a lot I was a lot more kind of knowing what to do in a first in a first in in like this because there was quite a lot of development edits for In Solitude Shadows to kind of get it to expand some things and yeah. just to kind of more depth into some things it's awesome um, and you've got a great editor that can yeah uh, and it was really they, helpful. they teach you 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 learn exactly. through editing exactly yeah so yeah so i finished that one now so i'm working on the next nick Halloran book uh, which is going really really well um, i'm hoping to finish that one um in the next month i suppose and i've i've 
just finished a Nick Colloran book as well, um, which was a short story which I've expanded into a novella. So there's two Nick Colloran books basically going to be ready to go because what I'm going to do then is work on the next, um, t- the last two books in the in the um, Dark Fantasy series and get them finished because it's going to be four books and I want to get them all kind of done and ready because I have other ideas that I want to do and move on to. It just, it, they just don't stop. Now, now that you've started, the ideas just keep coming and coming and you just have to say, hold on a second, you know, I'll get to you in a bit, but I need to finish <laughs> this one first. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, David, where can people find uh, you on social media and, of course, find your books? Um, so the best place to find me is uh, on, well, there's my website, which is davidgreenwriter.com, and it has all of the, everything on remember. there. All, all, yeah, all the stuff is on there, all the all the um, links and all the books. Uh, and then I have a Facebook group, which is called David Green's Readerverse of Madness. And um, that is that I kind think of... I become a member of that one. You're a member of that, yeah. It's, it's quite a new group, but it's quite lively, actually, which is great. And um, there's a lot of more exclusive stuff on there and everything. Um, and then if you go on my website, I have the newsletter. And if you sign up for it, you get a free short story collection. Um, which Wonderful. Which is like 16 stories, I think, all, all, all different types of fantasy. And, and yeah, check it out. Brilliant. And um, it's better to go to your website to buy the books. You have all the links on there. They, they, they just link through to Amazon. So it doesn't really oh, all your books are on Amazon. They're <laughs> not wide. They're, um, they're, they're wide as well. Yeah, they're on Amazon. Yes, they're good. Over. Thank you. Yeah. Round of applause for that. <laughs> uh, you can get them direct from Erie River Publishing as well. Um, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, they're, they're everywhere. Right. I will have all those links down. Uh, at the bottom with the description of the video or the audio podcast David it's been such a pleasure chatting with you learning more about your books uh, and your um, your plans because like I said one, two years and what you've achieved is amazing and all the ideas are coming you just I can just see more and more I don't think there's no stopping you you know you're just going to keep going and getting a publishing contract is hard enough to begin with so having a, a full series with them is just uh, it's amazing so uh, congratulations wish you all the best and best luck with everything thanks very much and uh, we'll speak to you soon no doubt <laughs>